Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials in 2020. And this is our last episode before the marathon. Cannot wait. So this one is with Kellen Taylor. She talks about, just like so many of the runners who've recently been on the show, talk about their running post-fall marathon. So for her, it was the New York City Marathon. Into the winter, so what she did from a recovery t- standpoint, then building back up, getting into marathon fitness. We also talk about the half marathon she ran in January and now getting ready for the race itself. So with that being said, we touch on more than just running in this episode. We also talk about her family's experiences as foster parents and something that she had to go through recently um, that just affected them as a family, which also affects her as a runner. Because those parts of her life are obviously always going to be interrelated. So we touch on that as well. Before we get into the episode, let me say that I'm going to be on Allison Feller's podcast, Allie on the Run, on Friday. Our monthly episode, Ramblings on the Run, will come out. So this month is on her podcast feed. And end of March will be on mine and we'll continue to alternate month by month. And that's just a really fun podcast. And if you haven't done so already, go subscribe to her show so you can hear it come out on Friday. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kellen Taylor. Hello, Kellen, and welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you. Can you believe it? We're now just a couple short weeks away from the Olympic marathon trials. Does it feel like that? Or does it feel just like surreal at this point because you've been working so hard and for so long for it and it's finally upon us? I mean, it feel like it kind of creeped up on us. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're definitely ready and excited. I can imagine. And, you know, and we haven't spoken in a while, um, basically post New York, you had a great race there. And then, you know, like a lot of people who've been on the show, kind of gone through your own version of, you know, kind of how to recover slash get ready for the trials. So post New York, what were some of the things that you did in like the four to six weeks post race to make sure that you were recovered, but also getting ready to ramp up for the trials? Sure. I mean, after New York, I thought I really wanted to take that month kind of easy uh, from a physical standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, just kind of not worrying about really anything. Um, I mean, outside of like taking care of my family and whatnot, but nothing really around running. Um, took a couple of weeks completely off, um, you know, ate some bad food, drink, drink too much. Um, and then got back into running and, you know, just slowly built up, um, the mileage until we got to a nice consistent base and then started to put in the real work. Um, we laugh about our first workout that we did back, which was, mid-December um and that was like our first jump into the trial segment and it was like a 20 by one minute on one minute off part like and Allison will probably forever be teased but she she did the workout and in the middle of it she's like my 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 chest like she was like I think I'm having a heart attack and we're like what <laughs> it's the first workout Allison it's a fart lick um but then you know uh if anybody knows Allison uh, kind of typical of her the next week she went out and she crushed the next workout but yeah fitness seemed to come around quite quickly now two full weeks off post new york is that uh typical for you or was that a departure then from what you've done in other marathons 
Um, I mean, I guess I didn't, I mean, I may have misspoken. I didn't take two full weeks, um, but I didn't have anything on the schedule for two weeks. Uh, I just kind of ran when I felt like it. So a week where I basically did not run. And then the following week, uh, threw in a couple runs here and there, but nothing was structured. So, you know, I think at most it was probably about four miles, um, a few times that following week, uh, just to kind of feel like I'm not completely stagnant. And how long typically do you feel like the marathon is kind of in your legs um, post-race? You know, I wish I could say that it was in my legs for a really long time, but my last two marathons, I haven't really felt any effects from the marathon. Um, some people might hate me for saying that, but um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been sore. I haven't felt like I necessarily needed to take downtime. Um, I do because I think when you don't, I think that's when you get injured. Um, you just keep pressing and pressing until something does go wrong and you don't want that to be the case. Um, but in ones where I have felt effects from the marathon, you know, it's been, I've had one, my first one was a whole week and I started running and I was like, Oh, this feels so bad. My legs still hurt. I don't know what's going on. Um, but maybe it's come with experience. Maybe my body's just primed for it now. Um, I kind of, I kind of want to feel sore afterwards to know that I'm working really hard. <laughs> right. It's, that's such a, that's such a funny thing to say. Cause I'm sure like once the marathon is over, like obviously like it's a grueling race and you're working your tail off. How quickly post-race do you kind of forget those feelings and, and just have that like, Oh, you know, running the marathon is great. It's, it's a really enjoyable experience. I can't wait to run another one. <laughs> it depends how the marathon goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, if it doesn't go very well, you're like, I don't want to ever do it again. Or else you're like, let's do one. We're going to do one tomorrow. Um, but after the marathon, I usually feel pretty wrecked. I think the last couple marathons have been like, oh, Ben, Coach Ben, like, I'm going to be so sore. Like, I can just tell I'm going to be so sore and probably not able to move for like a week. And then the next day comes and I'm fine. Um, but, you know, I think depending on how, how the race goes, you, I mean, I think either way, I usually get excited for what's, what's coming up next, um, either for just like the potential um, that's there. Maybe something didn't go right in the race um, that, you know, maybe if you critique and change could result in a better performance next time um or maybe it went great and you just want to keep i don't know doing what you were doing and how important is that downtime not only the first two weeks but as you mentioned your first kind of big workout um post new york was you know middle of december so you're really talking like six weeks after that race how important is that time not only like you just talked about physically but from a mental and emotional standpoint um as well yeah, I think it's huge. Um, I'm a pretty impatient person, but there definitely is, uh, there is a lot of, uh, a lot that you can get from that downtime. Your body needs it. Um, your mind needs it. And I think that it's important to remember that you just did a long buildup that was probably anywhere from eight to, I don't know, 16 weeks or maybe even longer, depending on your skill level, um, that you were working really hard and were really zoned in, um, so just remembering when you start back up that, yeah, it's not going to feel that easy. It is going to be hard. You know, you might go for a 10 mile run and be like, oh, how did I ever run that fast a month ago? Um, I think that's something that I almost always come back to when I come back from a break. I'm like, I don't know how 
maybe that was it. Maybe that was the last one. I think I'm done. Um, (laughs) But, you know, your body finds a way and it comes back around and everything starts to click um, after a couple of sessions. So this, this training block, you know, not including a taper, it was just, I'm just assuming say it's a two week ish taper. You know, it's roughly eight to nine weeks in total. Is that, um, a buildup that you've done before or are your buildups traditionally a little bit longer than that? I, it depends who you ask. I think that if you ask uh, Coach Ben, he'd probably say that most of our buildups are about 12 weeks. Um, if you ask me, I say eight weeks because that's when I really start to hone in and focus on the segment. I think that's when the bulk of our, our stuff com- starts up. Um, but yeah, I think he traditionally has a 12-week buildup. So how has this buildup been different than um, your previous ones, like for New York and things like that, um, since it's you know, since it's been relatively the same length? Has it been similar in terms of the workouts, or has it changed at all to prepare for Atlanta? This one's been a little bit different. Um, why? I'm not 100% sure. I feel like it was kind of a weird time to switch things up. Um, but Coach Ben kind of threw in a few different things, and at different different points in time, like we had a break. Um, let's see, I think six, six weeks out from the race. So not that long ago, seven weeks, maybe. Um, so kind of an odd time. We don't usually do that. It kind of broke up my eight week, uh, like really focus, um, that I like to do, but it seems to have worked out really well. I think we, everybody's feeling really good. Um, you know, I think that hopefully everything was done and, uh, will lead to good, good results. Now, a few weeks back, you ran the Arizona Rock and Roll Half Marathon. Um, you crossed the line with your teammate, Steph Bruce, uh, and it was like a, a really cool moment to see. I guess, first things first, why uh, did you choose that race? Obviously, you have a lot of, you know, you can make uh, lots of sorts of different decisions here. I'm sure you and your teammates could pretty much go to any race you wanted to. So what about that race attracted you guys? Um, I think for us, it was more so just about kind of disrupting the training a little bit, doing something different, but still getting in the same effort. Um, You know, with a race, you get to practice kind of race day etiquette, um, how you're going to prepare yourself for for the race, um, which is important leading into a marathon, especially the Olympic trials. Um, So just another opportunity to practice that in full. And then um, you know, it's just kind of fun. It's fun to get out there and see if you can run fast on tired legs. And for us, the the goal of that race was to run nine miles at kind of marathon effort and then crank it down the last few miles. Um, and we executed it pretty perfectly. Um, we had Ben, Steph's husband, pacing us for the for basically the whole race, which was really uh, nice. Kind of got to turn our brains off a little bit and just focus on how we were feeling and what we were doing. Um, and came through, I think we ran our last 5k in like 1535. So, um, we definitely executed what we wanted to. Yeah, that is absolutely phenomenal. First of all, congratulations. And when you go into a race like that, like you mentioned, the goal was to run marathon effort for nine miles and then break it down. Did you do any mini taper for that? Or did you have just a traditional week of training and that just kind of got substituted in for your, you know, typical, like, you know, heavy duty, you know, Saturday or Sunday effort? Um, I mean, I guess you could say that we tapered a tiny, tiny bit. We still ran over a hundred miles that week. Um, so I guess, I don't know if you consider that a taper per se. Um, but we didn't have like, 
you know, I don't think we had 14 miles the day before. Um, I think we had maybe a six and a four. Um, so a little bit different going in than say maybe we would do for like a workout because workouts usually were 10, four every day, or maybe even a little bit more depending on the day. Um, but yeah, it seemed to work out well. So after that race, say the next day or so, um, did you feel, um, you know, did basically, were you sore at all? Did you just feel like this, how you would normally feel after a hard effort? What was the recovery like? Um, well, we got the day off, uh, which was kind of nice. I mean, again, a little bit weird. We had a down week following that race. I think that for this training segment, uh, Ben gave us a really big chunk of work, uh, the five weeks prior. And this was kind of our chance to absorb that training. Um, so after the race, we basically did that for the next week. We got in some miles. Um, I think we were probably in the mid eighties for that week and kind of absorbed it. My body felt fine from, from the race. Um, it kind of felt just more like a workout, which generally I'm not sore from, uh, which I guess was good. Um, yeah, so did that down week and then started to ramp back up and get some more solid work in. All right. So, and I've been, I've been asking this question of everyone who's been on the show in the past couple of weeks, how have you and your, you specifically, but obviously you're part of a team in this effort as well, prepared for Atlanta specifically, either in terms of, you know, making sure that you're fully aware of the course or, you know, making sure that you know, maybe you're doing things in training to mimic the course and things like that. Well, with us, we're, we're at 7,000 feet and we do most of our training up here. Every once in a while, we'll go down to Camp Verde, which is at, um, I think, 3,500 feet to get a little bit quicker. But we do most of our training up here in Flagstaff. And most of our big efforts are done on kind of a rolling terrain. Anybody that's been to Flagstaff will kind of tell you that nothing is really flat here. Um, but you can certainly target places that are hillier. So we have a road that we run out here quite often for marathon efforts called Lake Mary. And if you go straight out, it's, it's okay. It's net downhill, I think, but not significantly. But if you turn around, the last few miles are horrible um, when you're finishing. So we've been doing that a bunch, uh, you know, just trying to practice effort because marathon pace and marathon effort aren't necessarily the same, same thing. Um, you know, are you going to be able to run uphill in Atlanta at the same pace as you are going to on a flat course? No that doesn't make any sense. Um, so you need to make sure that you know the right effort when you're going up those hills and down those hills, uh, so that your body isn't completely taxed when you get 22 miles into the race. And what have you been doing just from a strength perspective, uh, during this training cycle? And has it been different than what you've done in the past? I don't think our strength has really changed so much. Uh, we meet twice a week and do, a strength session in the gym. Um, a lot of it's really tailored to what we're getting ready to run. Um, you know, we do some kettlebell swings, we do deadlifts, we do squats, um, kind of whatever it's kind of tailored to your specific weaknesses, um, and things that maybe you're going to need specifically for this specific course. Um, so really targeting those larger leg muscle groups, uh, for the uphills and downhills. All right. So then getting ready for this race, obviously, like you said, 
this is not going to be a flat course. And, you know, in terms of, you know, the times for, for this race, they'll certainly vary um, wildly for certain competitors. And it certainly isn't going to be a race like Chicago or something like that, where you can go in and have, you know, a pretty good idea what the top people will run if they're on their day. So with all that being said, if this course were flat and the weather was fairly typical, what kind of shape do you think you're currently in? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I'd I'd hope I'd hope to say that you know we're in low two twenty shape, uh, somewhere in that range. I think that Alphine, Stephanie, and I have all we've done pretty much everything step for step this whole segment. Um, so it should be it should be fun to go out there and see what we can do um, on February twenty ninth, and then maybe you know next segment, uh, hopefully the Olympics can kind of uh see how fast we can go now do you have any sense of how you think the race will play out in terms of strategy you know i've thought about it a little i don't usually overanalyze uh races before they happen um just because there's so many variables that you could never never predict that are going to happen or not happen um but i have thought about it a little bit and no, <laughs> you know, I really honestly, <laughs> I I honestly have no idea. I think that, you know, somebody could take it and, you know, run away for a little bit. But I think that eventually a pack would catch up to them. I think that one thing that is absolute, I think that the race is going to be decided in the last six miles, um, maybe even less than that. Um, and it's just going to be whoever can hang on the longest because everybody's going to be hurting. It's going to be hard. It's not, it's not a traditional course. I mean, it's harder than anything that any of the top ladies have ever ran. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of it's going to come down to, uh, not only physical, uh, abilities, but also mental toughness. And when you're in that, you know, say that lead pack, uh, which you almost certainly will be in, and it will be probably a pretty big one considering the quality and depth of the American field this year. With that being said, are you someone who likes to really gauge um, what to do next by how you're feeling? Or do you try to kind of gauge the, you know, the, the fitness or how your how your competitors are looking or feeling and try to kind of counteract what they might be doing or might be feeling? You know, I've done both and I've had success doing both. I think that that's something you kind of have to do on the fly. Um, you kind of have to use your intuition and do whatever feels right. Um, yeah, some, sometimes a pace that maybe you thought was crazy, but it's coming easy on the day. You just have to run with it. Um, I've had experiences where that's worked out really well, and sometimes it hasn't. Um, but you wouldn't know it would work out well unless you tried it. You know, that's where my grandmas came from. Um, and then also sometimes just playing off of other people. Um, like I did in New York, uh, this past year, like Des was setting a really hot pace and I was looking at my watch and I was like, meh, you know, 521, I don't, that doesn't seem like a really good idea to me. Um, <laughs> so I decided, I decided to pull back, um, and not go with that group. Now, maybe if I would have went, maybe I would have finished higher. I don't know. But in the moment that seemed like the smarter choice to make. Most of us are tracking 
are running with some sort of online app. And what I have found is the best way to do that is using the V.02 system. I love the V. app not only as an athlete, but also as a coach. I use it all the time with my athletes. And as a runner, I love its versatility and my way or my ability to communicate with my coach as well. This this app really takes the cake. I absolutely love it. In addition, all coaches can take advantage of a 30-day free trial offer by going to v.02.com. So if you're an athlete currently working with a coach who's not on the V.0 system, let them know about the free trial because it's going to work out for both of you. Also, if you want to try out the platform yourself, you can use code RAMBLING to save 15% on custom training plans to get to your next goal. In 2014, Chorus was founded with the desire to make products that are more accurate, reliable, durable, and easier to use than anything on their market, and their GPS watches do just that. Coros features the longest battery life on the market with 25 hours in full GPS mode and on the entry-level pace, an astonishing 60 hours on its top-level Vertex. That's 60 hours. My goodness, I can tell you, my GPS watch, I have one on right now from Coros. This thing lasts forever. I've had it on for a week, and I haven't charged it yet. It's absolutely phenomenal. They have developed a great reputation of working with top-level athletes in the sports world, trail runners, road runners, climbers, etc. You may have seen even... Shoot, Parker Stinson, who's on my Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, is also a member as well. These athletes trust Coros for their training, and they work with them closely to make better products as well. Also, the all-new track mode is the first of its kind for technology and GPS watches, which actually measures your runs correctly while running around a 400-meter track, and you know how much of a pain in the butt that can be if we've, you know, we've all done track workouts with GPS watches and they don't go very well. So Koros, kudos to you. Go to Koros.com. That's C-O-R-O-S.com. C-O-R-O-S.com to learn more. All right. So weekend of the race, do you have any plans for what you want to do the day before or night before? I mean, I would really just like to lay low, not really have any obligations. There were a couple of things I had to turn down, um, unfortunately, just because, you know, I want to kind of be be focused on the task at hand. And then, you know, afterwards, the next day, whatever, um, I'm going to go for anything. But, yeah, I really just want to relax, maybe watch some really crummy TV um, hang out with my family if they're around, which they probably won't be because that's obnoxiously boring. Um, but yeah, just prepare for a battle. All right. Let's talk about that crummy TV. If you have to go sit there and just watch like, you know, mind numbing television, just to relax, what are your top two or three favorite, you know, favorite programs or movies or things like that? Um, you know, I'm a really bad at watching TV because I'm always doing something else. Um, but I do like, I just started watching Cheer, and that's kind of a good show. I think I'll be, I don't, I don't think there's very many episodes, so it may not make it to the trials. Um, but that's an okay one. And then I like uh, True Crime. I can get into that pretty good. Um, what else? I don't know. Dabble in all sorts of things. Okay, I was wondering if you're going to go like the Chicago Fire route, considering you know your your own you know your your own interest in in that field. I have watched a little of that. They're a little too gimmicky for me. They're kind of weird, and like you know, this isn't real life, guys. <laughs> but 
<laughs> All right, so let's talk about food. What is the the pre-race meal going to look like the night before? And then what is, you know, on the, basically on the complete other end of the spectrum, the post-race meal the next day? Mm, I'm excited for that post-race. Um, so pre-race, I usually do um, a protein, usually like a chicken or salmon of sorts, um, rice, white rice, and a vegetable. Um, not too specific, specific on the type of vegetable, but just something, um, just something that's not too uh, too crazy in any regards, and kind of gets the job done so that you have uh, sufficient energy the following morning. Um, and then post race, I love post race. Um, usually, when I do a marathon segment, I cut dairy out uh, eight somewhere eight eightish weeks from the race. Um, and I'm from Wisconsin. I love cheese. Um, dairy's like, a, it's a big food group in Wisconsin. Like that takes over like the grain food group there. Um, so I usually go for like a really, a nice big cheese pizza of sorts and then some wine, usually in bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a nice little, nice little wrinkle there. That's always nice. Actually, I was talking to Lou Serafini last week. And he said that he completely failed the night before New York about like securing a reservation. So they just like ended up at an Italian restaurant or Italian ish restaurant thinking they'd be able to get like plain pasta. He said it wasn't ended up not being Italian at all. It just had like an Italian name. <laughs> he said the only pasta dish they had was fettuccine Alfredo. And it was like the night oh, before no, the New York so City heavy. Marathon. <laughs> And he was like, you know what? I'm going for it. I don't care. <laughs> he tried it. I remember being like, oh, my God, Lou. Like, you almost just threw away a training cycle. He goes, it was definitely reckless. But luckily, it worked out okay. That's so heavy. That's such a heavy meal to have. <laughs> I, I mean, if I was thinking, like, what would be the worst possible meal tonight before a marathon, that would have been in the top five. It wouldn't be far from. I mean, they couldn't have just tossed some noodles and, like, some olive oil. <laughs> I know, right? That's a great point. And we could just go off menu for it. That's for sure. Well, I put out a call, uh, basically a call to action for anyone who wanted to ask questions uh, before uh, before the trials and on this episode. And actually, one of the people who's going to be running the trials as well, Jenny Donnelly, submitted a question and basically said she'd love to hear more about your fostering experience and balancing it emotionally and physically. I know you talked about it a little bit in our last episode, and I know that there's been you know, some, some movement, uh, you know, in regards to, you know, your, your fostering as well through December and January. Right. Um, well, that's kind of the thing with foster care is it's kind of constantly changing. Um, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not very good. Um, I think that what we've kind of learned, we've been doing it for less than a year, but we've kind of learned is that you kind of have to, uh, go with the flow of things. Um, yeah, this segment we had, Let's see, the first seven weeks of the segment, we had a newborn and a 22-month-old. Um, and it was exhausting, <laughs> to say the least. But it was also very rewarding. Um, and they left uh, seven weeks into the segment. So uh, that was that was definitely very hard. I think for us, that was the hardest emotional uh, one with them leaving. Um and that's mainly because I just feel like the foster care system is flawed. Um, I think it does a lot of good things, but I think there are a lot of things that they do that aren't right in many regards. Um, so that makes, that makes it hard, but really the, the biggest thing with foster care is that you're doing it for the kids and 
when you have the kids, you take care of them the best that you can and you love them. And, you know, when their time is up to go to a different home or to back to their family, um, hopefully in a good situation, uh, then you've done what you can do and you move on to either more kids or whatever it is that you're planning to do next. Um, for us, we had these boys leave and basically right after the fact, it was kind of a messy situation. Um, but right after I was like, I'm done guys, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and then after like, you know, sitting for an hour, I was like, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll keep doing it, but I'm going to be a little bit more selective on kids that I take because some of the situations are just so messy. Um, that it's not something that you necessarily want to be a part of. Uh, there's so many, I guess I'll call it like politics that go into it, uh, that you can't really control. Um, but we are open. We are still taking kids, but have decided not until after the trials. So we'll have more kiddos at some point in time, um, probably pretty soon after the race because there's such a large need for it. Um, but yeah, hopefully have some more kids and can have an impact in their lives in some form or another. And, you know, just keep trying to advocate for them and things that they need. All right. Now, this it's kind of hard to kind of segue into the next question because it's like a much lighter topic. So I'll just dive right in. Um, one question that got asked a couple times was, do you miss the track while you're doing your marathon training? I love track. Um, I like track, I think, because it disrupts the marathon training. But when I'm in marathon training, like I'm fully focused on that. Um you know, I don't really have a desire to go out and race a mile when I'm in marathon training. That would probably be a disaster first off. And then secondly, like, that's just not the focus. That's not the goal at the moment. Um, ask me after a marathon, I think it would be very fun. Um, you know, I think it's good to work on those, those different zones, uh, you know, go out and run a 5k, see if you can PR off of, uh, basically strength training, which is what Stephanie and I did last spring. Um, you know, I mean, I think that it certainly can complement. One can complement the other. All right. Kellen, thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck to you at the trials. I know anyone who's listening to this can't wait. It's just going to be such an exciting race. So best of luck to you, and I hope it goes well. Yeah, thank you. I'm very excited. Kellen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, shout out to our sponsors, Coros Global and VDOT. I love those guys. For me, they, they sync up perfectly. I use my Coros watch and my running information goes right to VDOT. <laughs> it works out perfectly for me. And I love VDOT as a coach as well. So thank you so much for listening, rating, and reviewing the show. We've had a lot of new listeners over the past week, not only because of, I'm sure this episode with Kellen Taylor certainly brings in more people. In addition, we had the uh, episode with Parker that came out two days ago. Unfortunately, he won't be running the trials. We also did an Olympic trials preview 
And finally, we did the women's preview with Allison Wade and Aaron Strout. So if you're listening to this, it's probably in the couple days before the marathon. Listen to those preview episodes if you haven't done so already. After the trials, we're going to do recap episodes with all the folks that we've been following throughout and then maybe some additional podcasts as well before we dive into the spring and the track trials. I cannot wait for that. So again, thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti, from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution. Never